and welcome everyone. I am Kale Flagey and this is the Made in Gainesville podcast. On this show, you'll hear stories and get insights from business owners and leaders from across the nation that have ties to Gainesville. On this episode, we'll hear from Chris Decker and Mike Calsum, founders of J.E. Decker Construction Group. Chris and Mike will share their startup story, which began over beers at Hogan's Heroes. We'll also discuss methods of attracting and retaining talent, how to build a company that is resistant to economic downturns, and how sacrificing a bit of money in the short term can help your company build an impeccable reputation. Enjoy. Chris, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, um, I guess let's start with, you know, how did you guys get together and get this started? We were both in the industry. This was probably 2008-ish. Um, we actually worked at the same spot at one time, um, another contractor in town. I was working there as a assistant superintendent. Um, he had came in as, a, as an intern. Um, I'll use that term loosely. Um, and our wives actually worked together at Shands, uh, both at the Nero ICU at Shands. Um, kind of ran in the same social circles. A lot of guys in this industry hang around each other, hang out on the weekends, go to football games. Um, so we kind of knew each other socially. Our wives worked together. Uh, we found ourselves at junctures in our careers where looking to make some change and do something different. Um, I have a field background. He's got an office background. Um, wives were actually working um, at night shift together. Yeah, they were working together one night. At, you know, same yeah, hey, he's thinking about doing this. The other one's thinking about doing that. Wow, they should hook up. Um, and so a phone call, a couple of drinks at Hogan Heroes, and here we are, yeah. seven years later. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of construction business done at Hogan's, I've noticed. Uh, there's a substantial amount of guys that work in construction that um, like to hang out there and drink beer. and um, Substantial amount of them have wives that are nurses. That's chance, too. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, like Mike was saying, it's, it's a neat story because, um, you know, he grew up here. I moved here from Lakeland. We were both working in the same industry, and we just had, knew each other from different social functions and parties, but we never really, like, hung out a lot. We weren't like, you know, you know buds, hey, what you doing this weekend? Let's go fishing. And, you know, just kind of ran in the same circles, had mutual friends. Um, he was uh, uh, working uh, for that other company, and... They, we don't want to say any names, but they were having their functions. And um, one of the guys that worked there was engaged to a girl who my wife went to college with and was a bridesmaid. And so, like, all these overlapping uh, entanglements of, of uh, relationships and connections. And uh, we both found ourselves like kind of at a crossroad where we were doing a lot of work for other people and kind of wondering what they were doing. We were getting asked so much what we were working on um, and uh, found ourselves not working there anymore for different reasons. And uh, like he said, um, we were looking to go after one of the uh, quick continuing service contracts at UF called the Quick Response. And um, one night at work, literally our wives were like, hey, what's Mike up to these days? Well, he's thinking about doing this. What's Chris up to? Oh, well, same thing. So we literally like went to Hogan's and we're like, hey man, we uh here we need to talk. He's like, yeah man, we do. And uh, a couple of pints turned into a pitcher, turned into another pitcher, and um, yeah, let's go ahead and incorporate. And so we took the savings that we had at that time, ordered some Vistaprint magnets, and uh, 
Mike's parents knew a guy named Bob Butts, who's an attorney here in town, and you see his name on a lot of the buses uh, here in town. And should do, he, sh- he should do your incorporation for your LLC. So, all right. So we go meet with Bob, and Bob's known Mike his whole life. He's never met me. Well, he, he gets talking to us, and he says, well, who's going to qualify your business when you guys first get started? Chris, do you have a GC license? And I was like, no, but my dad does. Well, who's your dad? Jim Decker. He's like, James Decker, Jim Decker, Jimmy. That's not the same Jim Decker that weren't the Circle F dude ranch in Lake Wales back in the 60s, is it? I'm like, well, yes, sir, that's my father. He's like, God damn, Bobby Butts. And he's like, let's call your dad. And so, anyways, we got my dad on the phone, and we watched our attorney and my dad have a on-phone on dialogue rehashing their 60s uh, heydays um, at $200 an hour for us, <laughs> which was fun, but you couldn't, you couldn't have ever known that was going to be uh, one of those little in, you know, written in the stars, like, you know, and immediately there was just, just um, kind of aura of, of, hey, everyone knows each other. Everyone's kind of been around each other. This, these are all good guys. And a lot of weird things just kind of fell into place for us over the years like that. I can't explain it. Been the story over the last seven years, man. There's a lot of stuff that's just happened that you couldn't have predicted it, you couldn't have forced it, and just weird things like that. Um, but like the saying says, you know, to rather be lucky than good sometimes. So my my family has been in construction edited out because I kind of forgot what I was going to say there. <laughs> how, how long have you been in the industry? Um, so I've been in it my whole life with, with my family. Um, and then I went to school and he went to school. We both went to school for construction. Um, so working in school and family ties, I mean, God probably 15 years or so each at least um when did you guys graduate i graduated uf in 05 the first time and then i graduated in i think 2010 with my master's in building construction i graduated santa fe in uh 2009 um was on a seven-year plan and got done early um took a while was still in school at night working full-time for another contractor um Got in construction out of high school. Did some in high school. Had buddies' dads who were, you know, carpenters, framers, builders. And easy way to make a hundred bucks was go work and figure some things out. I've always found it more fun than, you know, flipping burgers or working at a gym or something like that. Uh, you know, I, how did I get into it? It's kind of funny. I think it's uh, my parents were uh, we were we didn't have a lot of money growing up and. We had three cable or three satellite channels, and uh, the the best one at that time was uh, this old house, and I think it kind of just grew on me, and, and I saw it a lot, and was like, hey man, that's cool stuff, you know? These guys, they never mess up, which is amazing. Um, but that was kind of my intro to it. Got into it really was kind of a more fun than what the alternatives were, and it's kind of grown on me over the years. It's really all I, really all I know, but I think we have enough fun doing it that makes it worth it. I actually tried to break stride with the family tradition, um, being raised around it my whole life. Uh, when I moved up here, I went to business school, and uh, most of my recent experience had been in hospitality management, and I actually ended up bartending at Salty Dog. Um, walked in there one day to get a beer, happened to be the day the manager was working, got hired on the spot, and ended up working there seven years. Oh, wow. So I met my wife working there, and I put myself through school working there. 
and students in general, but a lot of BCN students and a lot of industry people who are still working in this area that went to school in this area that were in BCN building instruction really frequent Salty Dog a lot. So it was a, 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 reciproca- a, a, a circular relationship there where I'll see you at class, I'll tutor you afterwards, here's your beer. And so you really got to know people and actually uh, that's what got me my first uh, internship here in town and then um, went and worked uh, at WV Gay for a while and um, had a couple of little things in between before we started this. But yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty, pretty awesome experience. So your time frame of getting started, I mean, that, especially 2009, I mean, that's not an ideal time to be in construction. And I believe even in 2012, you know, things were super slow. How did you guys navigate, you know, the jobs you had before and starting when there wasn't really a lot of work out there? Well, first of all, construction is more fun and a slow economy. Um, Less profitable, but more fun. It's more fun. Um, you, You know, everybody's on their A game. Um, which makes our side of the coin as CMs, it makes it a lot easier. Um, everybody that's there, they're qualified. They're putting their best foot forward. They're putting the best number out there. So that was kind of the blessing in disguise. But you're absolutely right. It was, you know, a down economy. It was a it was a down economy. You know, at that time, you know, the the unspoken rules were, you know, you got your A squad, your B squad, and your C squad, whatever the company is, and. When things start getting slow, they, they cut guys from the C squad. And then if they got to make more cuts, they start looking at the B squad. And then if they're down to the A squad, they're really not wanting to cut anybody because those are like the ones that make the company. And they'll try to find busy work for them. Um, and, you know, it was. I mean, some of the companies we worked at before, I mean, you, you saw that happen. Um, and we got started in a down economy, uh, like Mike said, the people that you do work with, both on the design side and the and the field side and the office side, I mean, everyone's you know an A player. They're they're an A team, A A caliber um, person. So you sound around yourself with a lot. You're working with a lot of good people all the time, which does make your job easier. But you also learn a lot from each other when you are in that kind of an environment. Um, and we literally started out of a bedroom at my house, um, which is now my daughter's nursery. Um, and we grew a little bit. And uh, one day, uh, Mike was sitting next to me in this little 11 by 11 room. And uh, I turned to sneeze and sneezed on him. On him. He's, oh, God damn, we need to get a bigger office. And, you know, and um, we ended up building an addition onto my house uh, because we wanted to stay really close to campus, and my house is not far from here, um, central to Gainesville, and uh, we wanted to keep our cost down of, of the back and forth because that was, what, our intent was not to get on the road and travel. We we're raising families. We don't want to neglect, um, it, a lot of it was for quality of life too, you know, you know, be home for your kids, and you know, there's a lot of the bigger companies and the bigger projects, I mean, there's only so many multi-hundred million dollar facilities being built, and they're not all being built in Gainesville, so you end up traveling. Um, and we really wanted to be there for our families, so we chose this continuing service, smaller projects, repetitive clientele. Um, but our first couple of jobs were not at all what we thought we were going to be getting into. I think we replaced my wife's grandfather's roof. We redid the outside and windows at his parents' house. Um, 
we learned a very valuable lesson from an apartment complex that hired us to do some bathtub tile surround replacements. And they said, yeah, we got four. Well, how big are they? So we did that, figured it out the cost. When we got there, we realized they were in four different buildings on different floors. And it was a five-story buildings, and it was a very large property. That kills you when you got to pack up your table saws and go and move. And so, you know, kind of humble beginnings, and you kind of learn a lot. Um, but there was a... Uh, there's a continuing service contract at UF called the Quick Response, and we had both had experience working under that contract for other employers, and we knew that was something we wanted to go after. That was like the first thing, the first accomplish, the first thing we wanted to accomplish after we got our company started was to land that contract, and so we went after it really aggressively. Um, they awarded it to five people, and. Um, we placed second of those five, and someone at UF, who I won't call by name, put out a memorandum shortly after everything was awarded, accusing three of the five winners of price fixing, where they were manipulating the unit cost in favor of what they could lowball things they never did, and then they would jack up things they would always do, but over the course of the weighted average, they would still get the contract, they'd make more money. And that really kind of left that was actually uh, it put us in a good spot because we were not one of those three and so there's two left that they wanted to really try to use and they gave us a job and we didn't screw it up and they gave us another job and another and another and after a while it was like we ended up dominating that quick response contract um which was a lot of hustle there was a lot, a lot of, hustle. of hustle i mean we were doing with i think at the highest point during that contract we had five people on staff yeah, and we were doing, doing 20, 25 jobs at a time. So what does that look like? Is that just emergency response? No, stuff, um, not so much emergency response is designed to do that. Um, but you got, you know, it, from a project manager and a superintendent's perspective, you're just, your world's just spinning every day. You got a, a $25,000 job that it's three weeks long and you don't have time to screw around, have mishaps, anything. You're hustling constantly, five, 10 jobs a day. Um, that, you know, profit margin and stuff, it's, it's okay, but you really have to hustle and get after it. Um, you know, going back directly to that question, you know, what did it take in 2012? Um, it, it took a lot of sacrifice. Uh, both our wives went to night weekend shifts and they carried us for a while. We, uh, we put everything we had into a bank account and just kind of rolled the dice. Um, we didn't even get a paycheck for the first Six months we were in business? I think we had three employees we were paying before we ever drew a paycheck. Um, you know, we're not we're not made of money. We, we're not rich guys by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it was kind of that, you know, that it's that, that underdog story. You throw everything you had at it, and you're going to throw everything into it. Neither I'm going to succeed or fail, but I'm not going to be, you know, 40, 45 years old wishing I took any opportunity. Um, well, your mentor, um, Bird, he actually came over. Um, and at that point, I think you and I were paying ourselves like 300 bucks a week and he came on board and, uh, I think it was 500 bucks a week. So we upped ourselves to five and started paying him five and he was employee number three. Um, uh, he's unfortunately no longer with us. He just, his birthday was actually a couple of days ago. Um, but, um, side note there, but anyways, the, uh, 
it was incremental over a long period of time, slowly making a little more money. And it was really when we started adding more people to our staff that we realized, you know, to be competitive, we had to pay them a, a going rate. But we were paying them a lot more than we were paying ourselves. And even um, Ginger, our, our office manager, which she's been with us since we were still in that one bedroom at my house, um, we uh, she she she's like, wow, I've looked back at the old payroll logs, and you guys really didn't like. You guys just got everything you had, you were making, you were putting it back in the company and trying to establish capital so that you could get a line of credit, so that you could get you know, bonding and you could, you know, go after bigger jobs and you could hire people and sustain growth and get a vehicle for them and have, build infrastructure. And it, it took a lot of sacrifice. And the down, the, the downside of that is if it doesn't work out, you just busted your ass for a little bit or nothing. Um, and if it does work out, Hey, you know, pat yourself on the back, but don't get full of yourself. Keep on trucking and keep working hard. Uh, and I think that's been kind of the key to our success is, we don't get, we don't go buy expensive toys. I still live in that same house that we started our company in. Um, I've renovated a little bit. It looks a little nicer now, um, but we didn't move and upgrade. And um, goes back to that luck side too. We had people that came to work with us and added to our team and, and believed in what we were doing. Um, of the first eight people we hired, um, one of them moved out of state. One of them passed away. And that, that kind of created that foundation of our team. They know what we expected. They saw when we had absolutely nothing and couldn't provide any benefits to today where, you know, we're a legitimate company. Um, and, it, and it's fulfilling to watch that. Um, and in this day and age to get employees to do that, it's it's becoming more rare and rare. So yeah, we definitely okay. have to give them a lot. Of, a lot of our success has contributed to those people that came on. I absolutely agree. It was uh... – you don't realize how lucky you are until you get down the road and you're hiring people that don't work out and you're realizing how common that is and how hard it is to find good people. And when you look back at the, including ourselves, the first eight, one did move to Arizona, one did pass away and the other six are still here. And that's, that's pretty rare. And, and, Pretty, it uh, makes us kind of fun yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. We, we must be doing something right if, if they're sticking around and, and going. Yeah, I mean, this this industry has a lot of ups and downs. That's no secret. Um, and for them to stick around and stick it out, and we all have got our good days and our bad days, but for them to still be here, still be a contributing part of our team, that's it makes us feel good at the end of the day. And we haven't tried to, you know, I guess get by on less. I mean, there's different philosophies. There's lots of companies out there, and a lot of them are good companies, and they all have different philosophies and probably some of the same goals, and we have our take on it. Um, but ours is uh, to take care of your own and make sure that everyone's protected. So you know, all of our superintendents, we buy a truck. We give it to them. We pay the insurance. We pay the gas. We pay the maintenance. They have a company credit card. They have a company phone. Um, if they Show get, appreciation to them. They yeah, get burned out on a job because – the job's just demanding, you know, seven days a week at the last couple of months to crank it out because the job, the client has the need for it. You know, we're going to send that guy on vacation when the job's over. We're going to pay for it. You and your wife get out of town. Please, it's on us. Have fun. We appreciate everything you did. Do not thank us. We're thanking you. I think that that builds, you know, loyalty. It's you're not. They're not just a number. They're not just a, you know, hey, you know, you got this for us and you've created this goal and you met this margin or whatever. It's, it's more about, hey, are you good? 
you, you mean you know, you're not so crazy that you can't go on vacation to come back right you know and um but that that was part of when we got together and, and going back to hogan's heroes and having a couple pitchers there was you know we both knew we'd seen enough of the industry with other companies and other people and how they did things and then we knew what we wanted to do now we had no idea what the heck we were getting into looking back now i mean we meet young businesses all the time and we like to help them bring them along and mentor them and just like other people did us yeah. and and I, I know three quarters of the time we leave lunch with them and we kind of look at them like get in the truck and man you remember when we were that naive when we were that happy <laughs> and, you know and it just but you know it's, it's part of the process and, yeah. and you know i mean regardless of what you see on the news man the american dream is every bit alive you just it just i don't think a lot of people understand just how you know the secret to success you know and there's there's no one thing but i can guarantee you one thing i mean harder work than you've ever imagined hard work being that that's probably one a well there's a there's a there's an unofficial thing that we um you know that you know there's regardless of gender regardless of race regardless of background or ethnicity or, or education or anything it, at a fundamental core level you either give a shit or you don't and it's evident in how you conduct yourself how, what time you show up for work how seriously you take your job and i can say that i think most of our team truly gives a shit and and, and i hate to say that word and you can bleep it out um but we've we've joked around about it and but it's true um there's a lot of people out there that just they're, you know, on the job site, and you see them over there in the corner, and they're kind of looking up. Well, I wonder if make sure no one sees me texting my girlfriend on my phone. And obviously, you don't care that much, you know. Or the guy that you know, he's worked the weekend to get something done. You didn't ask him to. You didn't even know he was going to work the weekend, and you find out the following week, and you feel kind of bad about it. Hey, man, can I take you out to lunch or thank you or maybe like you know buy uh, your your wife and you some dinner or, or babysitter for them to go out and he's like no nah, man you know I just had to get done so I got it done and I mean that, that is amazing to as, as a owner to have employees like that who just get it done for you without even wanting any glory or wanting any 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 payment for it just because they care uh, and so those are those are definitely some of the ones we got and we keep them we do everything we need to to keep them for sure. So, so going back to that, um, and, and how that that initial contract it, it set the tone for the rest, you know, everything that's happened up until today, and then some. Um, and we honestly, at the end of the day, we just took advantage of an opportunity. We, it's the same hard work, it's the same blood, sweat, and tears, but we just took advantage of the opportunity that presented itself. And the first job we ever did on campus was pro bono. There, there was something that we knew about that needed to disappear. Nobody wanted to do it unless they charged a ridiculous amount of money. We're two guys with a bank account and magnets on the truck, haven't done anything, don't really have anything to do. Hey, we'll take that out for you. And and, and we no, ended up we ended up getting a, a thank you no package. No good deed goes unpunished. We got a thank you package from the dean of the College of Education and a couple of University of Florida College of Education Turvis tumblers and a handwritten card saying, you guys are the greatest, man. Thank you so much for helping us with that. And that and then the little tiny job they gave us and then they it's like they test you it's like they knew us from our other employers and they knew that probably together we were gonna be good but they needed to 
you got to you got to pay your dues, and, and so they would test you, and they would incrementally inch you along and give you a little bigger job, and then um, uh, we had a, a, a I don't know Harold, I don't know how you would you know Harold Barron was a, a, a an individual that worked over at uh, in construction for, on the UF side. He was an employee at UF, and he was always a great. Uh, resource of, of information and, and he was part of a program called the um, UF Mentor Protege Program which is something through the Small Business and Mentor Diversity Relations Department that he and Miles Alverson started together um, and it was to foster smaller companies and they would pair them with larger companies and so um, we're proud to be a graduate of that program and also now have served twice as a mentor to other new up-and-coming companies uh, there's only about I think three or four companies in town that can say that they've gone from the per, being the protege to now actually being the mentor. Um, but also a lot of people ask us how the hell a partnership gets along this well for um, for this many years, and I would just contribute that to a lot of whiskey. No, <laughs> <laughs> a lot a lot of late nights. I mean, no. it's it's you know just like a marriage. You and your wife don't always get along. You don't always agree hundred percent. Uh, but you know he's got my back no matter what I got his and you know we might not see eye to eye on everything but without even talking about something we're usually 95% on the same page every time and it's just like a marriage you know you you know what threshold before you go talk to your wife and say you know some people it's a thousand bucks some people it's 1500 bucks before I spend that money I I gotta clear it you know at the house um, and it's kind of the same thing in business. You know, I, I know what decisions I can make with, with him and without him. He does the same. Um, and there's a mutual respect there, too. It's like, you know, someone comes to me and says, hey, well, you know, and it's a field-related thing. And, you know, listen, man, I mean, I appreciate you coming and asking, but that's not really my, my jurisdiction. And whatever I say, Mike could probably over – he's going to overrule it if he doesn't agree. So why don't you just go to Mike? And vice versa. So, I mean, there's definitely, between the two of us, we share the executive responsibilities. Um, but amongst the two of us, we kind of delegate, split up in generality. Mike is the field commander and I'm the office commander. Um, and then collaboratively, we do all the executive stuff together. And that seems to have worked out really well. Um, and Respecting the boundaries, having that, I mean, both being... You know, having that humble bone in your body and, and not having to be the alpha male all the time. There's a time and a place for it. Um, you know, we, we don't play games, and I think it kind of reverberates down through our organization. Um, you know, the superintendents and, and our project managers and a lot of companies, there's there's kind of division in there. They, they mesh pretty well. We don't want them to be, this is your job, this is your job. Let's do whatever we got to do to make it work. Uh, and see, our unofficial slogan, whatever it takes. And Mike thinks he's always right, and I've just learned over the years that he is. And just don't 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 contest that. And we really get along. I have just a fine. pretty high batting average. I'll say that much. <laughs> I am right occasionally. <laughs> okay, so you guys got in the industry, kind of you know at the bottom. You kind of you know rode up the business cycle. We all know construction's a cyclical, mm-hmm. you know, industry. Are you guys looking forward, well, not looking forward, but looking toward the next downturn? Have you guys made any, you know, kind of um, plans for that, contingency well, plans? We started in a down economy, and so we know what it's like to get by on very little and also to not make a lot of money and still live. Um, so it, it's inevitable there will be another downturn, and, and when it comes, we'll deal with it. Um, we 
we made it a, a point when we started this company, we didn't want our guys to worry about stuff. And so we made all of them salary. Uh, everyone that works here, except for a couple of the lower, um, low, uh, lower end guys are, um, once, once they've proven themselves and they become critical team members, superintendents, project managers, then they get in that salary realm. Um, and that's just part of lessons learned in operating a business. Um, not everyone is you. Not everyone thinks like you. Not everyone comes to work every day like you. Um, but if they, know they, they, if they know they can budget for a, a, a decent paycheck and the same paycheck every week and they can work their budget on, around that, then they're good. And, and over the years, we've rolled out, you know, we've offered – Dave Ramsey courses, which no one took us up on. Um, we've rolled out um, retirement plan, health insurance plans. Um, uh, we, you know, recently helped one of our guys buy a house, you know, just because he needed to move closer to work. Um, and I mean, you just try to you just try to take care of your guys. Um, I, I I think in today's climate, there's two philosophies um the companies have uh one of them is you can either man there's a lot of work out there you know bid it bid it bid it let's bid it bid everything every opportunity we have let's just you know go after it and if we get it we'll hire somebody we'll find somebody to run it and if it goes to hell or it's not going good i mean what do they expect it's busy right now everything can't go good we'll make up excuses but we're just going to make as much money as possible well they might make a lot of money they probably will. There's quite a few guys in town that are doing that. Um, but at what expense as far as your own reputation and credibility? And, you know, then you've got a bunch of guys that you've got on board, and now it is that downturn. And, well, you were C to begin with. You're out. You're gone. You're cut. You're just a number. I just hired you to make a lot of money in that one job. I didn't really care about seeing that client again, you know. It's, it's more about money at that point than it is taking care of your guys and longevity in my opinion, the other op, the other flip side of the coin or the other side of the spectrum is, you know, um, I, I can't, we don't have anybody to run that job right now. Uh, there's not, we haven't interviewed enough good, good candidates to hire, to bring on board, but we can take on any more than we current have with our current staff. Um, could you possibly postpone starting? Or, you know, just, you know, don't sacrifice the customer service and hiring just anybody to fill the fill a spot and then possibly get a black eye, damage your reputation, mess up a job, possibly somebody gets hurt. Um, all kinds of things that roll through your head that, you know, here's the reward, making a lot of money. Here's the downside. And for us, the downside wasn't worth the risk for the extra money. So we're just kind of staying in the course and a lot of the clients that we're working with when that downtime comes like they're still going to want to work with us so whatever they have they're going to be calling us and they know that with our company in um, structure and he and i's daily involvement and we don't have a lot of that high overhead that some of those bigger guys have that i mean we're daily involved in everything that goes on in this company um, we're not just sitting back in a room counting money somewhere and drinking bourbon and i think that when there is that downturn, I don't think we'll have too much trouble. Yeah, we, we, we function pretty conservatively financially and things like that. This office is not, you know, we bought this office for $115,000, right? I mean, that's not a huge sum of money for a business that's in the construction industry and has the resources to fix it. Um, but it was a lot of money for us. Yeah, it was a lot of money for us. Um, 
but it's almost paid for. Um, you know, we like to have things paid for. We don't like to have a lot of debt. And that's just a personal thing that in business kind of translates well when you're very conservative in your personal finances. It becomes part of the business. Um, luckily, we're both like that. You know, neither, like you said earlier, you know, we're not out buying $100,000 boats and things like that. Um, and that's a lot of the horror stories you hear about contractors is, you know, they get in that business that first year and they buy the big F-350 diesel. And the next thing you know, he's down at the boat ramp and he's got an $80,000, $90,000 boat. And, you know, that's just not a practical way to, to go about business. Um, Something else, too, is a lot of our guys are either cross-trained by us or they come to us cross-trained or just their innate abilities of, of doing Um and, I mean, most superintendents that are out in the field, they came up through the ranks in the field, so they, you know, worn a tool belt and worked. And we've had some times where we were, you know, a little light on work, and we self-reformed, I and mean, we've built entire structures and did all the concrete work in-house. And um, so another thing we can do when things get a little light or a little a little tough is, well, you know, instead of subbing that out, we're just going to go ahead and self-reform and build that one in-house. And that keeps our guys, you know, with hours versus, you know, selling it out. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that we kind of keep in our back pocket of strategies that we would implement to, to make sure that, you know, we're taking care of ours. Um, but number one thing is we just don't want to lose face in our clients, um, to our clients, where they, you know, oh, they just put whoever over here to get this one done. And what a disaster. I don't ever want to use those guys again. Or, well... They said no to the second one because they didn't have enough to do but we got someone else to do that one and side-by-side -side comparison. We'll never go back to the other guy again, you know? And so, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's kind of the goals in a good economy. We've, we've experienced a bad economy. We've, we've grown the company. We've increased our members of our team. Um, and to get out of this, you know, at some point it's going to go back down. It's, it's just proven cynical cycle. Um, and you don't know when it's going to happen, but eventually that bubble burst. Um, and so we kind of just keep training our guys. We keep living within our means, operating our business within our means. You know, at, at some point, if you have to downsize, that's that's the risk you take. If you bring these people on and you train them to become a critical part of your team, um, and it benefits them if they have to go. At least they have the skills, the resources, the recommendations from us. Uh, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. I mean, it's this industry is kind of on a tipping point um, as far as age structure. You got a lot of these baby boomers that – you know, they've hung on and hung on, A, because of their stocks, B, because they had to work, whatever it may be. But they're getting to that age where they're going to pull out. So we're really making an emphasis on getting a little bit younger. Um, and that's harder said than done. Um, obviously, the guys that are 62 and the guys that are 21, totally different skill set and desires and wishes. Um, so we're trying to adapt to that. But that's, that's really what you do at the end of the day. You just adapt to what's coming at you. Construction's pretty notorious for there always being a fire to put out. Unexpected things always happen. What's the you know biggest, you know, not disaster, but biggest unexpected challenge that you guys had to face on a job, and how did you resolve it? Ooh, good question. Uh, yeah, that is a good question because um, uh, maybe two months getting cut out of the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's uh, so when you do a lot of work with state entities, there is some bureaucracy, not always at the local level, but mandated from on high. And that can cause wrinkles in expected schedules and timelines that then have to be made up for because the students still come back to school at the same time at the end of summer. Um, we haven't had any uh, knock on wood. And luckily we haven't had uh, 
anything really go sideways. We haven't had, um, I don't have to knock on wood a lot here, but we have, we've, we've had one, um, one workers comp claim. And that was, uh, a guy who three weeks after he pulled his groin, his hernia had a hernia. He, he came and told us, um, we've never, we had one guy get hit in his truck and it wasn't his fault. It was the person that hit him. Um, we've never, uh, had a bond called. We've never had a liability claim. Um, we never had insurance claims. We've pretty much, I mean, insurance companies love us because we give them a lot of money and they never have to pay anything out. And they really, I mean, I mean, are actually really good friends with our insurance agent now. Um, and he's, he's phenomenal. He's a, he's a wonderful guy, but, um, and he was actually there for us in the beginning and kind of helped open some doors for us too. So there's a lot of loyalty there. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of team behind the team that people don't even think about and see that, you know, you have been there for you since the beginning and you stay local, you stay loyal. Um, but the, uh, just, uh, dealing with a, a tough, you know, owner's rep, I think, uh, most recently, um, we had a pretty challenging project. Um, I won't say where and with what entity, just cause I don't want to go there, but, um, she was a tough cookie. Um, things could have been a little easier, uh, if, uh, she could have gotten out of her own way. Um, but we got through the end of it and um, so on and so forth. Uh, but the job finished on budget, on time, despite <laughs> despite best efforts of others. It, it, it finished on time and on budget. And people were able to move in when they were promised. And everyone got to save face, even though there was about three months worth of delays. Um, and, uh, one of our superintendents went above and beyond on that job, um, to really, I mean, he basically lived there and he, and he, he, it took a toll on him. Uh, we owe him a lot, uh, for, for pulling that one off and he cares. He's, he's the same guy that would come in on the weekends and never even tell you. Um, but we haven't had anything like really go bad. There's been like no like terrible estimating or bad budget bust or you know altercations on on a job site where someone's fighting or anything. None of the crap that you hear about or any fatalities or major injuries. Uh, no major law. I mean, when I say no major lawsuits. We got sued by a guy for four hundred and sixty bucks <laughs> um, uh, that ended up going to small claims court for some parking. Um, which we had agreed to pay him 250 and long story short, the judge was like, give him the 250 and we're done. So it was all for nothing. Um, but it was a good lesson, uh, a good lesson in, in um, always adapting and always learning. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the key to it. Um, uh, haven't had any catastrophic events luckily, but yeah. I think we definitely do our due diligence on that. We both try to, from both of our respective arenas, try to forecast and, Try to try to look out for what's coming up, what potentially could happen, and we're constantly making changes. Um, and our people do a great job of enforcing safety and enforcing rules, regulations that are put out there. Um, so it makes our our job a little bit easier. You know, losing Bird was tough, um, emotionally and and as a team. I mean, he was a true asset um, and a true friend. Um, that one was. And we we got through it as but you know as a as a as a work family, I mean we got through it together and everyone stepped up and 
everything worked out. But it was definitely some drinking and crying and long nights and it was yeah he uh so he was he was his name's richard gross everybody called him bird he's kind of a industry legend per se locally um the guy the name bird there was a, a guy that you know thought he was cold you know kind of tough guy mentality in this industry and he was saying burr but everybody thought he was saying bird so he got stuck with the nickname bird um but he uh I mean, very, very, very sharp, very, you know, as far as if I, if I, if I could only build with one person as far as the field operation of things who could get anything done, I mean, I, I'd pick him hands down. I mean, the guy could just figure anything out. Um, he could handle a lot of pressure. He could get a lot of people motivated. Um, but he did. I mean, he's just such a giving person, man. He, um, you know, ended up passing away um right after we moved into this office and we were just kind of you know it was we were doing good um i remember he came over and was kind of like wow you guys got this thing going full steam and he just added to that steam i mean gave us a lot of momentum gave us a lot of connections that he had developed over you know 25 28 years working at uf and uh unexpectedly died and then that was a tough blow for us that was probably the biggest obstacle we've had to overcome um, and you don't replace somebody like that. You just start parting, piecing back things and, and try to recover. Um, you know, and, and it took a lot of people, you know, sacrificing a lot of things to get there. Uh, but I think we've recovered pretty well. Um, he was a prominent fixture in the Health Science Center. we got a guy now, Chris Torhorst, that, you know, he's very requested over there. He's he got a lot of similarities with Bird. Um, as far as his, his dedication to what he's doing and, and how he goes about it and his professionalism. Um, but you won't, you won't replace anybody like that. So it definitely took, I'd say, a good year, year and a half before we finally felt like, you know, the monkey was off our back, the tension was gone, that we're good to go from here. You were asking the question about, you know, finding good people and, and how you uh, keep everything like that. Um, getting back to you know how how you deal with the busy climate and what do you plan for in the slow climate and one of the things we've decided never to do is um uh, do the whole poaching thing where you're just you got more money than your competitor and he's got someone employed that that you want and well i i I want people to you know go and help me get all this business i can right now so i'm going to go start stealing people from other employers and you know, if someone comes to us, that's one thing. Um, most everyone here has worked somewhere else, um, whether they got laid off during the downturn or they just had enough of that sh- shit and, and enough of that stuff, and or they just had enough of that stuff and, and quit or, or whatever the, the situation was, but we haven't stolen anybody from anybody else. And I kind of feel like that opens you up to retaliation when you, when you start to go down that road. And so... We find ours uh, in our own ways. We're not going to go into detail and elaborate on it because that's kind of our own style. Um, but, you know, we find a couple good ones every once in a while and we bring them on board and we hold on to them. Um, but we don't, we don't do the whole chasing other people's employees and we don't do the whole hire anybody just to fill the shoes so I can get this job done. Yeah, that's kind of the, the new obstacle that's not going away anytime soon. Um you know, a lot of kids these days just, they grew up in a different world, uh, my kids included. 
You know, they they you know they don't take every opportunity to play outside and then climb trees and do those kind of things. And I think those that you know that kind of leads to you know how we move forward. These kids are very technologically connected, um, I, I, and I think a lot of them would rather you know work for a biologic company in the AC for forty hours a week and be able to you know, listen to music in their earbuds while they work, whereas you come on a construction site, it's Florida, it's hot as heck. Um, it's not a 40-hour work week. Um, that's kind of the interesting thing that's happened to the industry is as much technology that's incorporated into it, um, we can do more off these phones than, than the Apollo spaceship could do on the moon, um, but yet everything still has a process on a job site. You still have to go through a certain sequence. You still have cure times haven't gotten great i mean they've gotten better um some of the techniques are a little better but some are unproven um so it's, it's, it's kind of the interesting thing going forward is recruiting people to this industry um you get you get them every once in a while younger kids straight out of high school or kids that are in the college programs between santa fe and uf so i think we're in a good place to find that talent um, it's just finding the ones that fit in with the teams, and, and that's going to be an obstacle that we have to overcome over well, the next few years. Also, the ones that want to stay local. I mean, a lot of people move here to go to school, and then the other one maybe want to move back home, move closer to their you know nuclear family, and maybe friends from back home, or these big companies that do chase the big projects and have these big jobs all over the country, and and their those jobs are going to pay a little better. So there's a select few that are like, man, I just, I just really love Gainesville. I just want to, you know, I met this girl while I was going to school here. And I think we're just going to raise a family. And I'm going to work in construction here, and I just want to stay. And so, you know, the pool gets a lot smaller. Um, and, but you, we try to stay involved. I mean, we're uh, members of the Builders Association, and you know, we, uh, you know, do a lot of charity events here, and support a lot of local charities, and we try to go to social events where we meet people, and um, you know, the for as much competition as there is here in town, there's also a camaraderie amongst the construction industry, um, where you might have beat a guy out in a bid or you're both vying for the same job and you got selected or he got selected or so-and-so jump ship and he works somewhere else now, but you get together at these functions and no one cares who works here, who works where you guys are like cutting up, having a beer, talking, goofing off. How are things? Things are the same. Things getting any better. How are the kids? When the hell you want to go fishing? You know, just, you know, and it's, it's kind of neat um, because, it, it's like a brotherhood. It's like you're you are competitors, but it's also like a brotherhood, and that's also been kind of cool. Last question. I always ask everybody this question, and Mike, this one might be for you since you've been out in the field more. But what is the craziest, most laughable thing you've ever seen on one of the projects? It was not on one of my projects or our projects, uh, but Chris got a pretty good picture of a job site. <laughs> I will not disclose the location. Um, but he got me a picture on a Saturday morning, I believe. He went, I went out to breakfast with his family and texted me a picture of a bobcat fully extended with a bucket on top. So it's extended about eight feet in the air. A guy with an extension ladder in that bucket to the top of the building. Guy has nothing but shorts and a shirt on. Climbing up this uh, right off of a main intersection in this town. Um... That's probably got to be one of the craziest ones I've ever seen. Yeah, definitely was not our job. Yeah. 
Um, I've I've heard of some crazy things, but that that's about the worst we've experienced. Um, yeah, that's about all the one I can think of. Um, I mean, crazy. We're doing a not. I don't know if it's crazy, but recent we um, we're doing a renovation over at Tiger Hall um, on campus, and it's on the third floor. And um, uh, there were these old offices, and the roof in that area is sloped. And um, previous occupants from like 40 years ago had cut out holes in the wall and put a piece of wood over it, and they had used it as kind of like store, little storage space and stuffed things in there that they forgot about. Plaques, awards, newspapers, magazines, artifacts, football trophies, all kinds of stuff. And we uncovered this almost like time capsule. And so we had like five or six boxes of this stuff. And so at one of our progress meetings, we walked in and here's all these important people that we're working with from PDNC and from Tiger Hall. And we're like, oh, and we have all these artifacts that we're not sure what to do with. And they're like, well, just bring them in in the meeting, and we'll go through them. And they didn't know what they were asking for. And next thing you know, all these boxes are coming in, and it made for some, it made for some fun, you know. And and uh... being out in the field, we do see some cool stuff, though. We go, we self performed. I guess it was about two years ago, um, right across from Lake Alice by the bathhouses. We built a, uh, a shed for Ipis, uh, monster shed. And we've self-performed the entire thing. So we're out there every day from seven to four. Um, and there's a hawk that lives there. And we come up at, on the clock, seven ten every morning. And I guess the bats come in about that time or finalize coming in. And we got to watch him eat breakfast every day for about a month. It's, you know, something that it's, it's part of the cool thing about being in the field is, is some of the places you get to work and experience. And I mean, I, I can definitely think of worse things to do in Gainesville besides work and be right across from Lake Alice in February, March when it's perfect weather outside. Uh, so that was that was a pretty cool experience. Well, Mike, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for, thanks having, for having us. It's been a lot of fun.